This podcast is brought to you by Fiserv. As a global leader in payments and financial technology, Fiserv helps credit unions achieve best-in-class results through a commitment to innovation and excellence in areas including account processing and digital banking solutions, card issuer processing and network services, ATM and cash supply chain management, payments, e-commerce, merchant acquiring and processing, and the Clover cloud-based point-of-sale solution. Fiserv Solutions provide credit union members with reliable and innovative technology, superior experiences, and a healthy financial life. Visit Fiserv.com for more information. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. Whether contactless or chip-enabled, credit and debit cards continue to dominate the payments market in terms of perceived speed, ease, and preference. I'm Ron Jose, Senior Editor with CUNA News. In this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, sponsored by Fiserv, David Sensula, Director of Strategy within Fiserv's Banking and Payments Division, provides an overview of recent research that explores how the new data influences everything from top-of-wallet card choice and mobile money movement to third-party tools and fraud prevention. With the right strategy and products, no form of payment provides that flexibility better than debit and credit cards. So, David, thank you very much for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your background and what you do at Fiserv? Sure. So I am a director of business strategy within Fiserv's banking business unit uh, and concentrate most of my time and energy in the cards and payment space. Prior to joining Fiserv in late 2020, I spent five years with First Annapolis, uh, which was eventually acquired by Accenture's payment strategy practice um, and made the leap to help lead Fiserv's market intelligence function within cards Uh, and a various number of strategic initiatives focused on both traditional debit and credit use cases as well as emerging payments experiences and methods. So you know cards. You know cards are what you do. I love cards. I bore people at dinner parties and my own dinner table with talking about cards and payments, so yes. But that said, I mean, they really do drive payments, and that's kind of what we're here to talk about today. Let's start there. So how are credit union members choosing to make payments? Yeah, and I I think that's a particularly topical question these days with crypto very much in the conversation. Buy now, pay later talked about um, in mainstream media, but it's still cards are the preferred method to make payments, Uh, both debit and credit cards varying by use case. And this is true across channels and purchase types. So online, in-person, small dollar, large dollar, every day to more one-time purchases, debit and credit cards still rule the day. Yeah, I mean, we do get a lot of talk, like you said, about crypto and and P2P. I mean, in P2P, obviously it's gaining traction. I mean, the numbers show it. But credit and debit cards, plastic is the the choice for most members. And why is that? So in, in our recent research, we 
uh, found that consumers responded, which we, we know to be true anecdotally, it's that cards are fast and they are convenient more so than any other payment method, including cash. And I think the particularly the most convenient and fastest method in an era over the last five to 10 years where EMV uh, predated the switch from swipe to dip, there were a lot of insertions into the process that could have disrupted this most convenient label for cards, but innovation in the industry, all the way from networks to processors, to acquirers, to issuers, um, really kept cards top of wallet for consumers. And it seems cards are getting faster even, in a sense, aren't they? It seems like they're getting faster at, at the point of payment. Yeah, and it's you used the word plastic before, and even that's not a you know direct association with what a card is, especially in its digital form factor that makes, uh, at least for a subset of consumers, a digital presentment through a mobile wallet, the most convenient method even above and beyond tapping their plastic. Yeah, so it's not really any plastic, it's just the representation of that number, I guess you would say. Yeah, and in, in a digital form factor, you gotta keep in mind yeah. that the card not present environment is still continuing to grow, whether yeah. it's typing in the 16 digit account number or using a wallet that's stored in a digital form, consumers find those methods the most convenient across the board. So is there any difference regarding how credit cards are being used versus how debit cards are being used um, from your perspective or maybe from a street perspective? Yeah, and I think it's we've had a great, you know, last 13 years of economic growth and now there's some uncertainty around uh, potential recession scenarios. And I think that highlights kind of the tried and true story of debit versus credit is debit helps consumers with budgeting. It's a more everyday purchase method. Whereas credit today is still sensed as a little bit more oriented towards large purchase amounts and consumers are a little bit more comfortable when things are going well, um, speaking from a macroeconomic perspective. So. You, you always hear we always hear the ongoing conversation about the future or the non-future of cash and share drafts and checks. So let's kind of break those down one at a time. Um, what what are you seeing with cash? What's what's the movement with cash right now? Yeah, and it's it's an interesting dynamic, especially as you look across generational lines. Um, I think the younger generations that grew up with uh, Reddit as their stock picking forum and with you know an iPad at their hand, hand at age three, find more trust around the card method, but we find that consumers still think cash is the most safest method of payment. So there's a subset of consumers that are still very much tied to cash and within the base of credit union members, there's certainly consumers that still want cash as an option, whether it's for small dollar purchases or you know, just a safety behind the scenes. So to orient around this broader ecosystem, I think it's important to call out that cash is still a preferred method for some members uh, and consumers out there. And it's important to have a strategy to address that. That being said, um, I think the story around cards is clear, which is dollar, if you're looking at dollars of investments, cards is where um, consumers are moving their spend. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, and I always kind of just maintained, it just seemed like cash would never 
completely go away. And I, I mean, I don't know if it will, but it seems like you make more and more payments with your cards and less and less with cash. That's just how it seems to be going. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's a lot of psychology behind all of it in terms of how people think about budgeting. You know, I don't want to use my credit card. I want to use funds I have in my debit card. I think the conversation is very much true in some people's minds in terms of thinking about using their card or cash. If you take out a finite amount of cash from an ATM, that's all you're spending versus yeah. debit is kind of an open-ended spend. So I think like uh, looking yeah. at the individual consumer, it's very interesting to think about what's going on in their mind when they pick payment methods and not kind of a, you know, this generation will use cards forever, full stop. I think there are some nuances everywhere you look. Yeah, yeah, very good point. What about share drafts? What's the status of uh, share drafts and checks as a preferred pe method of payment? Yeah, so I think if you look at our, our data uh, in our recently published expectations and experiences survey, checks are going away much more quickly than cash, let's say. And, and checks for everyday purchases. I mean, even I, who I'm, I'm around 30 years old, right? I grew up and I remember standing in a grocery store line and seeing folks writing checks to pay for groceries every week. I think just if you go to a grocery store, you really don't see that anymore. So it's very tangible that that's going away. Um, whereas cash, you still certainly see folks making purchases. So again, there's subsets of consumers and use cases where checks are more prevalent. Uh, you can see a difference on um, by purchase amount. So folks are more likely to use checks when it's a larger dollar amount. But especially if you line it up next to cash, I think cash's ability to, to stay in people's wallets is, is higher than check. One thing you do hear about a lot about growth uh, as far as growth is rewards programs. How important are rewards programs in determining a member's payment choice? Yeah, I, th I think especially for those with multiple cards in wallet. And I think we can talk on that as a separate point. Um, rewards are a driver of where consumers put spend, particularly larger purchases um, that can be thought of as a, a one-off basis, so to speak. Um, so for a consumer who has maybe three or four cards, one debit card, and let's say, uh, uh, general purpose bank credit card and their Marriott rewards card. They're oriented to think about that Marriott rewards card to address a very particular set of spend. And that's driving you know, rewards at Marriott. Um, I think other consumers, and, and I'd like to talk on this in, in a bit, are more likely to think about control in, in terms of putting all spend on one card. Whereas another subset of consumers think about control in terms of where they put uh, spend a, across a, a basket of cards. So re in rewards do a lot to keep a card top of wallet. So what else should credit unions be thinking when it comes to staying top of wallet for the for like the next generation of members? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where I was going. The rewards are extremely important, especially when you look at those more likely to spend on a credit card. But they're not the only driver of how consumers make decisions around what credit cards to apply for and, and which ones to use for everyday spend. Um, if you look at the, the prevalence of digital, and particularly with a credit union that is maybe top of wallet for a debit card, but a credit card may be used by the member from a, a third-party financial institution, there's a real opportunity there to think about 
the experience across the consumer's entire wallet? And specifically, how can credit unions and other financial institutions tie those two experiences together that really take rewards out of the, out of the picture, uh, at least to some degree? So can you, for consumers who are more concerned about control and budgeting, how can you present a debit card experience and a credit card experience in a single place where consumers have that visibility into both so that they know what they're spending, they understand their own behavior in a way that can't be uh, disintermediated by the hottest new rewards program from your, your big bank around the corner. Yeah, yeah. And part of this, this whole equation with cards and the, how it's driven digitally is that members have more control over their financial lives. And what control trends are, ev are, are evident in the marketplace right now? Starting first with just the, the digital experience and the desire to be fully in control of your card from a mobile application on your phone. Um, so I think it started with the simple on-off uh, control on your card. Do I want my card to be turned on for purchases or do I want it to be turned off? What we're seeing with the next generation of users is these security features um, to the extent they can be more precise than that even to permit perhaps online purchases, but not card present purchases. Those are the type of things that over the next decade or so will really drive consumers to say, you know, I'm not comfortable with having this card in my wallet or I am comfortable. And it's really security and risk controls driving that decision as opposed to just being a, you know, a, a risk across the board. So what kind of security features do members want? Yeah, so I think before we even talk about card controls, consumers want awareness of activity on their cards in the palm of their hand. So yeah. that, would, that would point to alerts, right? Exactly. And, and having some customizability around those alerts. Do I really need a notification every time my card is used? Or do I want it for certain subsets of transactions, those above a certain amount, those taking place in a certain geography or a certain time of day? Uh, that's probably pillar number one in, what, in terms of what consumers want when it comes to, to controls and, and security. Um, and I think a, a fast follow to that alert is of course the control element, which is can I turn my card on or off when I see something that I don't necessarily um, recognize or, or want to authorize? And from the leading on from that, what can I do in the digital application of my phone as opposed to going to call center and sit in a queue until they're ready uh, ready to take my call. Can I request a new debit card in my mobile app? Um, that's something that members and consumers are calling out as a desirable feature of, of the card program that they choose. So, so much of this is based on preferences and personalizations. Does every demographic group have the same preferences? I mean, how are different demographics interacting with the, the payments ecosystem. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, so if you think about four groups of, of consumers with the baby boomers, Gen X, Gen Y, and then millennial and Gen Z. Um, the millennial and Gen Z, they grew up in an environment that was digital native. They had iPads in their hands, they had their parents' phones from a very young age. And I think their expectations are very much more digital forward than sure. their parents and their grandparents. Um, so addressing those needs and competing for, for the next generation of member growth 
is, is where a lot of people's minds go. That said, we talked about cash at the top of this. Um, there is still a, a spend heavy demographic that doesn't necessarily rank that as their first or second priority, that having digital control. They wanna be able to walk into a branch and understand what's going on with their card. They wanna be able to call someone and know that they can talk to them when they don't recognize the transaction that appears on their statement. Um, so I think there's, there's certainly a, a difference there, but there is, across all demographics, there's a desire to have some of that alerting functionality available and be able to customize around the edges of that functionality. Well, David, thank you very much for joining us. A lot of information today. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. I think I, I told you at the top of this uh, conversation that uh, I would be in my head with this with this podcast stuff, given that I am a listener of, of many podcasts. Um, so hopefully when I play this back, I'll, I'll have a smile on my face. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. So will our listeners. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. This podcast is brought to you by Fiserv. As a global leader in payments and financial technology, Fiserv helps credit unions achieve best-in-class results through a commitment to innovation and excellence in areas including account processing and digital banking solutions, card issuer processing and network services, ATM and cash supply chain management, payments, e-commerce, merchant acquiring and processing, and the Clover cloud-based point-of-sale solution. Fiserv Solutions provide credit union members with reliable and innovative technology, superior experiences, and a healthy financial life. Visit Fiserv.com for more information.